the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, let us do this. Let us do this. Oh, it's so good to be with you. It's so good to be with Ken Flo. It's good to see you. It's Monday, September 27, 2021, episode 318 of the Anik and Florian podcast. The pay-per-view recaps are fun when the cards aren't good, right? They're fun when the cards aren't good. International Fight Week 2021 is done. I don't like telling some people that I'm sapped because it registers as a complaint, but I have done a lot of talking but I got about an hour for you today, Ken Flo. Um, man, UFC 266. What a great way to uh, to cap a memorable week there in Vegas, my friend. Hell of a card, you know, and I always say this, um, but anytime the fights are better, it makes our job so much easier uh, and so much more exciting. Um, th- that card delivered and so much more. Uh, what an amazing night, man. All right, so... Um, It'll be mostly meat and potatoes today because we could probably do a quarter of an hour on Alexander Volkanovsky. So let's start with headlines and that main event between Volko and Brian Ortega as Alexander Volkanovsky retains the title, second successful title defense for him. What a fighter, man. What a fighter. I mean, came into the fight as one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the sport with 19 consecutive wins, wins over the all-time greats at featherweight. And as I said off the top of the pay-per-view, the question beckoned, you know, how would he do? On this stage with a new challenge with a lot of eyeballs because of Nick Diaz's presence on the pay-per-view. And um, it's one of the better title fights I've ever seen. And that doesn't mean it was a close fight necessarily. Um, but this fight had it all, Ken Flo. And now I'm just going to shut the fuck up and let you talk. Yeah, it absolutely did, man. Um, you know, Volkanovsky has been one of those guys. He, he's both in a division uh, that hasn't get gotten a whole lot of attention, and he's the kind of champion that hasn't gotten a lot of attention. He he tends to uh, let his fighting do his talking. He did a little bit more leading up to this fight, of course, you know, with the rivalry with Ortega. Um, I think coming off the Ultimate Fighter and delivering this kind of performance in the manner in which he did just made him a superstar. Um, he should be anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you were an idiot before and didn't know that he was tough, this absolutely confirmed that. Um, I thought that he had too much for Ortega on the feet. That's what we had, you know, kind of spoken about. Um, and, you know, he was just at a different level on the feet and on the ground in Ortega's best moments with his best submissions. He still couldn't get it done. Volkanovsky did his homework. He proved his toughness. He showed he was the more technical guy out there, and he showed he's one of the best champions in the UFC right now, period. You put it excellently, and I do believe he takes that star power to the next level. He was very much rejuvenated by the ultimate fighter, and I think when you're on a long winning streak and the pressure's always on you, it can be difficult, but he really enjoyed that experience and embraced it, I think, more than some recent coaches have. Kenny, in terms of his demeanor on fight night, you know, I've often said to this audience, there were certain times when Ken Flo was walking out where, uh, you know, you just kind of saw that look in your eye and I just knew you weren't going to lose that night, you know, and there's something about this guy that's able to just, 
um, put this in its proper context, you know, I mean, and even though it is life or death, be like just super relaxed. And, uh, you know, I've said, I think four or five fights ago, he's like the least nervous guy on the roster. Um, you know, he's just ready to go right out of the shoot. Not always a fast starter, but, um, he's just not phased by the pressure, the atmosphere at all. John, one of my concerns heading into this fight was the fact that he wasn't able to train with his guys over at City Kickboxing. He didn't have the usual suspects um, or, or all of his training partners right, at right. his disposal, all of his coaches at his disposal. Um, that was a concern for me. Um, when you put that in the context of this fight and the fact that he still delivered this kind of performance, it makes it that much more impressive. This is a guy who knows how to compete. He knows how to compete when the lights are shining brightest as well. Um, and he was just too much for Ortega. I know we'll get into Ortega and, and you know how I felt, felt about this fight. But um, for Volkanovsky, he, he's just firing in all cylinders, man. Uh, just a, a perfect timing all the way around. Uh, a tremendous performance, man. So I told Ray Longo over the phone, I had to call and wake him uh, after the post show, by the way. Um, I told him we wanted him off the top of the show. He said 1130 was better than 11 a.m. Eastern. But as I understand it, Ray Longo has answered the call 20 minutes early and might even give us 45 minutes here today. So anytime you want to put Ray Longo on camera, provided he's framed up, you can certainly do that. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to do a lot of snoring. A lot of snoring today, Kenny. There's going to be a whole <laughs> lot of snoring today. My man, this is a celebration or a coronation. Yeah, frame yourself up so you look nice and good in the middle of the screen. You see right. what I'm saying? You know, there we go. a lot of people want, want it clean. Yeah, a little bit more, Raymond. A little bit Everybody more. Everybody loves Raymond. Just wow. a little bit more. And there you go. There a little you go. bit more. Computer's going to be Ray off the table. Longo. Look at this. Wow. Who else would I rather see on a Monday morning than you two guys? Huh? <laughs> I'd walk too far to get to this podcast, Ray. <laughs> hey, Ray, when they draw blood from Marab Dwalish Willie, what, what comes out exactly? What comes it's out? Not, it's not red. I could tell you that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, all right. Well, it's great to have you with us. Absolutely great. Uh, we have a lot to celebrate today. And uh, do you, what time you got to be out of here? Oh, I'm, I'm here for whatever you want. You First of all, Kenny, I'm, just, I'm just happy after last week that I, I finally got a W after all these years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. You want right. to bring up some of the losses right. again? What do you want to do? <laughs> you want to start off the show like that? I'm on a high. I'm right. on a high right, right. now. Right. <laughs> a W without your guy fainting injury, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. I've just got <laughs> told, you know, you know what side of that I fall. Of course, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cody's ready to kill me right now. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So we were talking about Alexander Volkanovsky and this title fight. So after Marab's win, by the way, I mean, do you do you go back to your hotel to watch this because of yeah. COVID? What, yes. Yeah. All right. We go so, back uh, to hotel. Yeah, because once you leave the hotel, then you have to. Excuse me. Now come I gotta on. Now I got to really start. I got my phone. Like, okay. I can't even Let's, talk. He's still dealing with the effects of Rona. We got hold on a second. So if you can't leave the hotel unless you go get another hotel because you can't come back. Oh, that's right. That's that right. That type of deal. Right. No. Yeah. I got construction. I mean, you got construction going on in your throat. Probably not a great show for the audio file. <clears throat> yes. All right. So Alexander Volkanovsky over Brian Ortega. I want to spend a few minutes on the third round. I want to hear from Ken Flo about sort of the submissions and Volkanovsky's ability to uh yeah. 
to stay in the fight and not tap and not uh, go unconscious. Um, I want to talk about the stoppage or lack thereof and uh, all of these things. But Ken Flo, let's start with round three and um, Volkanovsky's submission defense. Um, you know, obviously they spent a lot of time in bad positions there uh, at freestyle fighting and in New Zealand at city kickboxing. Um, he has a lot of confidence in his ability to get out of these spots, but put himself in harm's way uh, at least three times by my count. Your thoughts? Absolutely. You know, uh, working with one of the best submission grapplers in the world and Craig Jones over the course of his time with the ultimate fighter is absolutely going to help. One of the best resources in the world, period. Uh, Craig is the man, extremely technical, a guy that I've trained with. He's as good as it gets. Um, so he clearly did his homework. Uh, I mean, if, if you're going to prepare for Brian Ortega, you prepare for a, a bunch of submissions, but the ones you got to prepare for are the Darce, the guillotine, and the triangle, right? right. They call them T city so he was clear we, we talked about it before when you're preparing for a chess match and you're talking about the best guys in the world you're preparing for your opponent's best moves you gotta you gotta have an answer for their best moves and clearly volkanovsky had an answer for that you know i saw some people on twitter talking about the toughness absolutely that was a a, a case there you know he was he was tough but for sure he was using his technical ability to get out of that triangle he went to the side where you got to open up the knot that's what opened up up the triangle he stayed relaxed with his neck he was pushing on the hips on the guillotine this guy was extremely well coached extremely well prepared uh and i, I feel like you know this was one of those fights where he's going to come out of it oh. that much better I, I mean think about the confidence that he's going to build uh coming off of this fight Absurd. ortega's Absurd. best moves and he still gets out of it and then came back to destroy him with ground and pound unbelievable yeah oh kenny my question would be uh, with the toughness, though, three guys training with Craig Jones, same guys. All three guys are escaping that? Or did toughness at the end become sure. the determining factor that got him out? I mean, that guy, ref it was almost like when Ricky Simone had uh, you know, Rob in that guillotine or whatever yes. the hell he had on him. But, you know, he's just – the guy's not going to tap, and it's it, there's toughness that goes in there. And if the guy's arms can hold out as long as you can hold out, you know what I mean? Like – I just thought Volkanovski, I was so impressed with just his tenacity, just, man, he knew he was in a bad spot and he wanted to win that fight, man. I just think Absolutely. he will with the technique, but I'm saying there's, there was an X factor involved in that that really, no really helped. No question about it. I also think, you know, just being in that position and training again and again and again and understanding that there is a way to get out and trusting that toughness, trusting your ability to push through those moments. Um, it was a combination of all those things. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think to talk about just the technique or just the toughness or or just the preparation right. takes away from everything that this guy put into this camp. I mean, yeah. uh, Volkanovsky is a true professional, man. And, and that really was the difference here. Yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, before he weighed in, Kenny, right? Uh, and this is a man, again, who who played rugby league at 214 pounds, right? But before That's he weighed crazy. in, he's smiling and bouncing around. It isn't always that way for him making 44 and a half of that, I can assure you. Yeah. Um, but what a great champion, an amazing champion. There's so many big fights in front of him. Obviously, the Max Holloway trilogy fight is a fight that people want to see, especially given the fact that most people, even if it's three out of four, believe that, Max Holloway did win that rematch. Obviously, Yair Rodriguez could factor prominently in this equation if he beats Max Holloway. Um, Henry Cejudo is lurking, and I know a lot of people turn their nose up at that, but um, I do think there is an appetite for that fight. And again, 
an opportunity for Henry to become a three division champion. Kenflo doesn't seem to uh, like the meritocracy in that. Um, but again, it's it's a very exciting time for Alexander Volkanovsky. In terms of the end of that third round, Kenny, we'll start with uh, with you on this. Um, not a lot of good visuals there from T-City. I kind of feel like if this was a non-title fight, maybe it's a, a referee or even ringside physician stoppage there. You know, obviously you can talk about Ortega coming back and winning the fifth round and we could do seven to eight minutes on his toughness. But I don't know, man. You know, it's like this isn't how you uh, prolong careers. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. You know, the the referee, the doctors, they just kept asking the same questions until they got the right answers. You know, you just keep asking them. Oh, what, are you sure? What What's the number? You know, pick a number between one and four. All right, well, get A and B. Yeah. You know, so they kept they kept uh, getting uh, you know the questions out there yeah. to Ortega until they were satisfied, but. I don't think anyone would have had a problem or questioned Ortega and his toughness if the fight was just off right there. Um, uh, The fight was that good, first of all. It delivered uh, even up into that third round. It was just a ridiculous fight. Um, The fact that we got two more rounds was great for the fans. How much damage did Ortega, um, you know, incurred during those next 10 minutes? I don't know. I think time will tell. Um, You know, I, I think in some cases those 10 minutes can prolong a fighter's career, you know, not taking that kind of damage, um, you know, maybe it extends his career a little bit. He definitely took some damage. Ortega is as tough as they come. Uh, You know, it's tough to say though, because everybody is different. Everybody is different. Everyone reacts to that stuff differently. And um, either way, we had one of the best championship fights that I've ever seen. I mean, uh, uh, just an unbelievable performance. And again, you look at Ortega's last fight against Holloway. I mean, that one was like, that was like uh, Arturo Gotti, Mickey Ward. And then this one was like, you know, Hagler, Hearns, whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to compare it to was another ridiculous fight. So Ortega has certainly taken some damage over the course of his career. He's a warrior through and through. It was an amazing fight. What my thoughts are and whether it should have gone another 10 minutes or not, I don't know. I'd be lying if I had the answer, you know, who knows? Yeah. I I think Kenny's right. Those questions were weird. I mean, I I thought, (laughs) I I thought I heard the ref say, all right, can you see the two fingers I have up? What if I put three fingers up? Can you see them? I mean, it was kind of, kind of strange, Kenny. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Is your headphones not working, Johnny? Give me, give me a number between one well, and three. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm just having – no, I'm sorry. I think we lost them. Holy no, crap. Sorry. No. Hey, sorry, so I was just sort of – no, I, don't, I mean I was just having a passing thought because for me, like here I can be an analyst and sort of go down this path, right? right. But I'm certainly an analyst second and a play-by-play man first in my regular job, right? So I'm not necessarily going to be – the man who begins this conversation on the air, that would be Daniel or Paul. So I was a little distracted in my own thoughts. And uh, what did, I don't to tell you, man, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I didn't, I'm, not sure we, I'm not sure we heard their opinion. What, what did, what did Paul and DC say about that? When, we when, didn't get into it until the post fight show. You know? Okay. So I did they, did they think the know. fight should have gone on or no, I think oh. all of us were okay with the way it went down, but I certainly, mm-hmm. I think for me, if I was a former fighter in that setting, I might've been like, Hey man, you know, if this was a non-title fight, I think, you know, and I do like the fact that the stakes, you know, maybe allowed for Brian to have every benefit of every doubt. You know, I think certainly for his corner men, they didn't think twice about getting involved because of what was on the line. And again, yeah. you know, a lot of people are going to lean heavily into the fact that Ortega came back and won that fifth round. And again, I don't think this fight should have been stopped necessarily, but I do think that they, uh, you know, 
Might as well just walk up to him and say, hey, Brian, the fans and everybody else, they really want the fight to continue. So um, I know you're compromised. We don't even need to know if you can see or not. Uh, we're going to keep fighting. But incredible for, for both of these athletes. And, and, uh, and in that process, John, I think we shouldn't ignore the fact that that also uh, was kind of disadvantageous to uh, Volkanovsky as well because it was probably an extra minute or so of time yeah, that right. allowed Ortega to recover. Because uh, he was, I mean, it, it looked like he wasn't even going to make it to his stool yeah, after that right. third round. Yeah. And so it gave him a little extra time to recover, but uh, whatever. It, it and it's amazing to me sometimes I get off the air and people still um, sort of permeate negativity. And I say this with all due respect to the to the negative source, but, you know, people taking issue with us putting this fight over as one of the greatest featherweight or fights of all time because it was 50 to 44 on one of the scorecards. And, you know, it doesn't have to be neck and neck to be one of the greatest fights of all time. Uh, sure, Ortega almost finished that fight earlier. a few times. Well, that, that, exactly. right? I mean, that's, yeah. what, that's what makes it a great fight is that there were moments where this guy who was clearly losing – was one second away from winning the fight. And that's that's yeah. what you, that's what brings you off your, the seat of your couch. You know what yeah. I mean? You just start going crazy. So the, the, depending on how you define a great fight, yeah. I mean, that to me is what makes a great fight. It almost Even like with Marab, he was out, but then he comes back. You know, that's those are the fights that really get you motivated and jumping around, you know, and 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 technically it was it was a very good fight. It was a great fight. I don't know who would say it wasn't. Absolutely. But, uh, and that's why you can't you can't have numbers tell the story all the yeah. time. You know what right, I mean? It right. just it just cannot and, satisfy. Well, that's, that, and that's a case yeah. that that's a that's a perfect case of what you just said. Yeah. Because you got to give the round to somebody and Volkanowski definitely gets the round, but that's not an indication of what really happened because I mean, those, those submissions were deep, man, and it was yeah. the excitement and the yeah. holy crap. And when you get the whole, you know, when you're doing that, that to me is a great fight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you're going back and forth with your emotions, that was like we were like, "Oh man, he's gonna!" Oh. You know? Oh my god! Amazing. What else do you want from a fight? Right. Uh, I mean, the best, you know, I mean, try going to sleep, right? Try going back to your hotel room <laughs> oh, and trying yeah. to sleep after all of that. Uh, so the wins list for Volkanovsky is, is starting to really round out. And this, by the way, is a guy who fought a good strength of schedule before he got to the UFC. He's now 10 and 0 in the octagon, but you had the Ortega win to two over Max Holloway, one over Jose Aldo, Darren Elkins, uh, Chad Mendez in there, pretty heady stuff for Volkanovsky. And, uh, for the father of two, couldn't be happier for the man. And uh, for Brian Ortega, this from Aaron Bronstetter on Twitter. It is two title fights, and Ken Flo and Ray can see this in front of them too. Ortega absorbed a combined 504 significant strikes. By comparison, Volko has absorbed a combined 539 in his entire 10-fight UFC career. Wow. So, uh, you know, back to the drawing board for T-City and a lot of big fights ahead for uh, Volkanovski. All right, I want to get to Marab right now, and you can be sure on the back end of the of the Longo Minute or otherwise, we, we will spend at least six minutes on Valentina Shevchenko because I have a lot of thoughts on the flyweight division right now. Um, yeah. Ray, holy fucking shit. Hide the women and children. <laughs> Marab Wallace Willie coming back from the ages. So you said to me on the phone after the fight that, you know, you don't have Corey Sandhagen footwork. You understood that you might have to yeah. walk into some hell. And Marab obviously is more than willing to uh, to give his life in there. Um, what an incredible win for Team Sarah yeah. Longo, you fucking maniacs. <laughs> now, really, I mean, you can't be prouder than a guy like him because, you know, he puts the work in, right? So he has the belief in his cardio, and that's what really gives him the freedom right. to even last in those, those situations because mentally he knows he's prepared. 
So you got to give it up to him. And, you know, I was telling John after the fight, like the last week I started like, you know, I, I was trying to I, I look Marlon it, for one round. I mean, the guy hits like a mule. I mean, you it, where, where Marab was, was I, when they asked him if there was a game plan. I mean, the game plan was definitely to wear him out. Like in any, make him scramble, hold him against the cage. Like I don't. When he said there was no game plan, I'm not saying that. Oh. That's like, I'm not saying that's like a big game plan. Like you know, move your head this way or you know, avoid that or this or that. But uh, I mean, the game we we knew exactly what we were getting into. But you know, with the last week, Kenny, I was like, you know, look at Henry Cejudo. He's like a hundred and twenty-five pounder man, but he absorbed his punishment. And he walked him down and beat the crap out of him. You know what I mean? Like, so, Marab, you're going to re- – this is – I thought it was a defining fight for Marab because this was by far his best opposition. And uh, I said, look, you're going to have to walk through fire to yeah. get to this win. I don't think you're getting out of it. His style just – you know, unless he ran across the ring and just kept putting him down and putting him down, you know. Yeah. But uh, And then the, the day before the fight, he goes – I will die to get the win. Like, I understand, like, I understand what you're telling me. And he looked at the fights and I think he looked at the knockdown. You got to remember, he knocked out uh, a guy that Marab idolizes. He loves Aljo. You know what I'm saying? So that's a guy he looks up to as the best in the world. And this guy he's fighting, you know, knocked him out. So he had, he had, he started really thinking about it, but that's where we went with that. That's why in, in between rounds, you know, I think what people don't realize, too, when you're cornering somebody, I know the guy eight years. You know what I mean? Like, right. he's technically, whatever we do before the fight, we do right. before right. the fight. Right. Like, it's it's not like I'm just going in there and screaming at the guy. I know who to scream at, who not of to course. scream yeah, at. It's it's a big difference. And yeah. that, was, that was why I said, look, you're getting yours now. He had his chance, and we're going full steam, and you got the cardio to do it. Yeah. And, and and technically, at the end, I was like, he doesn't want to be on his back again. Fake the takedown, take a couple of shots. It's going to give you free up for some big punches, and then put him down again. And you can see him asking me in the corner, you want me to stand up with him? No, no, I don't want you to stand. I right. want you to right. – I just know you're going to get a couple of clean cracks because he's going to be really jumpy on the takedowns now. That's what he thinks you're going to do. Yeah, and you look—he really responded beautifully, Kenny. He went out, faked the takedown, knocked him out with that right hand. I think he, yeah, like, he, he dropped him. He dropped him with that right hand. Right, that was the—I felt like that was the, the the momentum shift there. Even in the first round when he started to come back, uh, it seemed like he kind of was like in sparring mode a little bit, like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to work on my striking, yeah, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. move. And he realized, like, wait a sec, I, I'm an MMA fighter. Once he started walking him down and actually yeah. getting aggressive, moving forward with punches. It put Morais on the back foot, and that was—that's what allowed him to hit those takedowns. And yeah. from there, it was just all Marab. It was an unbelievable performance, and one of the best demonstrations of heart I've ever seen. Cody just, yeah. you know, is writing to us here. You know, there's there's some people that said I'm willing to die to get the win. Ninety-eight percent of those people are bullshitting you. Marab yeah, yeah. absolutely is willing to go there yeah. to get the win, yeah. um, and, and that's yeah. not an exaggeration. The only and, and I tweeted about this. Uh, Marab's biggest mistake was not killing Marab out there yeah. during the yeah, fight. Right. Literally, that, that's the right. only yeah. way he was going to win was making sure he was unconscious because Marab was going to fight back and claw his way back to victory, and he yeah, fought. Yeah a motivated Marlon Marais. Like, I'm not yeah. saying he fought yes. a prime Marais per se, but he fought right. close to the best version, Ray, right? He had like, to win this fight. Was super yeah, he, motivated. Yeah. And if you don't know, Mar- Marlon Marais, a former 
We won a major title, folks. WSOF Bantamweight Championship won like a million fights in a row. You know, came into the UFC essentially as a number one contender. Has, I think, twice as many pro fights as Marab, all on a huge stage. You know, this is a huge, huge win for your guy, for your team. Yes, I, I, I deal with it that way. Yeah. And again, we can talk about this as much as you want. Kenny, I want to ask you this. So if I'm Dominic Cruz watching this fight, right, and I watch the referee, and you all know I love the no-nonsense <laughs> Keith, Keith Peterson, but I got to tell it like it is, right? I love Keith Peterson. I love the Nevada State Athletic Commission is using him, right? I came to his defense in the Cruz situation. But if I'm Dominic Cruz watching this fight, Kenny, I see a referee whose style has certainly evolved from that mistake he made on that fateful night in Jacksonville when it was a title fight and Dominic Cruz didn't get any kind of leash, right? Marab was given a great opportunity to stay in this fight. And certainly Marlon Marais seemed to get knocked out and then brought back to by a punch, you know? Yeah. So if I'm Dominic Cruz, Kenny, I'm just being candid with you and I'm watching that like I'm pissed, you know? And, and, and he has every right. I mean, that was a fight where... Um, obviously both men were hurt, looked like both men were going out. Both men were allowed to get back into that fight. I think there's a lot more to it though. It's, it's looking at how the fighter is responding during those moments. Marab was hurt, but Marab was consciously kind of without giving it. himself some space. Without, like he knew he was time. hurt, but he without was like running time. to give himself space right. and time to recollect himself. Yes. And then when he was on, on the ground, it's like he was moving. He was consciously moving to try to get better position without to it. get up. 100%. So, Body body language is huge. And I'm not saying that wasn't the case with Dominic Cruz, sure, but sure. I think when you're seeing that and you're seeing that fast-paced fight, it could be really easy to make a harsh decision. But when things are happening really quickly and you're seeing both men yes. really kind of, even though they're hurt, they're making decisions out there. They're consciously doing things of what they're supposed to, defending themselves, giving themselves time and space. Um, I, it, it was the right call there, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm Dominic Cruz and I'm watching that fight and go, why the hell did they and do that candidly, for my fight? Dom didn't text me back, right? Yeah. So he doesn't even care. He's training for a fight in December. Sure. He has a date now, December and, and, 11th. And he doesn't, you know what? Uh, what? And that's the right thing to do. You can't control. You can only control. No, he doesn't control. give a shit. I'm just saying, but I'm saying like in one breath, it's great to see a referee sort of evolve and maybe Keith would take great issue with me saying this is an evolution that he stands by that stoppage and this mm -hmm. fight should have continued I'm just yeah. telling you Marab got knocked down four times and to me Marlon Marais um should have been saved some punishment you know? I, so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that like you told me Marab was fine I take you at your yeah. word you know and okay, largely yeah. I I agree with that um, I, I thought Marlon at one point I would okay have you bring you're bringing up an interesting point let me let me frame it like this because and I, obviously, I'm, I'm just let me. Uh, I'm, I'm biased a hundred thousand percent. But I had Marab win in that first round, and just to, uh, to think that he didn't win that round. Now I'm saying this is a great case for judging. I think because this is yeah, trick, yeah. right? But he, here's my point: because you could talk damage, blah blah blah, this and that. Who at when that bell sounded? Who was in worse shape? At the end of that first well, round, who was in worse shape? Round. That's not how you score the round. Why not? It's damage, no? Well, uh, yeah, damage? I guess when, when you phrase it that way, I guess. You want to tell me that you want to tell me Marie's more damage, but he was in worse shape at the end of the round? Yeah, I guess. No, I guess that's fair. I don't. I guess you're trying to. How do you quantify the damage from the knockdown, yeah, right. Kenny? What do you think about all that? I'm looking for the scorecards. Who was, by the way. Kenny? Who was in worse shape when that bell ended? Uh, and uh, absolutely, it was Marie's, and, 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 and that's and a great point, right? And Kenny, if the answer is Marie's. How the fuck do you make a point that Mar Marab was hurt more? 
And, All right, so I got the scorecards. Yeah. yeah. So one of the three judges gave Marab the first round. So Tony Weeks had Marab 10 right. 9, and the other two had it for uh, for Marlon, which I think hey, is. Cody, fine. Cody, Cody, send Tony Weeks a shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, other, those other two guys, so, those. Yeah. No, so I'm actually, team. Kenny, would you be okay? See, my biggest issue is that a judge can't write a 10, 10, right? Because they're so like cautioned from doing so. That Kenny, would, let me ask that you this. Better. That Kenny, been would you be okay with 10, nine on both sides of that round? Or I, I would. And I'll, I'll tell you why. So, okay. Before Marab came back, it was a 10, eight round, right? I mean, it was a 10, eight round for sure. So that was one of, but then at the end, when Marab came back, it looked like he was going to have Marais out. So yeah. again, that, that MMA is tricky. Such a I know tricky it's tricky. Thing. It really yeah. is. And and Ray brings up a good point. If you're coming out of a round and it yeah. looks like you could barely get into that second round, did you win the round? I don't yeah, know. How? I mean, how? It's a how that's in, how that's fair. World, yeah. How in the world can you win that round? They're dragging you back to your corner. Oh, yeah. You're the winner. You got that round, buddy. Let's go out and get round number well, two. Well, hey, the bottom line, it matters not, right? So right. verdict MMA, you know how much I love the global scorecard. Historically great round here. And the global scorecard, 9.74 from Marais, 9.39 from Marab, plus 0.35. It doesn't matter, Ray, right? Obviously, you got yeah. the finish. Um, no, no, but right, that's right. a 10-9 Marais for me, man, on my scorecard. <laughs> that's 10-9 Magic Marlon Marais with the four yeah. knockdowns, you know? Now remind me, remind me, Kenny, to inform the commission he can never judge one of my fights. <laughs> But man, I'm just so happy for you. Um, I hope I didn't wake you, but literally all no. I can think about when I'm doing that post show is get back to my hotel room to call you. Like I couldn't stop laughing when I called you. Unbelievable. You know what's funny, Kenny? He calls me and I'm watching him talk about the fight on the post show. I oh, swear to God, the exact time. I was like, yeah. this is crazy. You know, that's but uh, what a just a, oh man. And you know what? Let me just say a couple of things, man. It was great to have Matt back in the corner. I'm glad, you know, uh, you know, like I, not that I could talk him into it, but I'm just glad he came back because I don't want to be there with anybody else but him. I mean, it's a really weird thing. It's a team effort. It's not just That's me, awesome. not just him. And it's and it, and you know, the other thing just was weighing heavy on me, man. You know, even for Aljo's last fight, I'm with three guys I basically never did anything with. It's not right. that's not the way I do. Th I just that's not me. You know, it's it's me and Matt. You know what right. I mean? And that that that's the way it goes. And you know, like you come, you sign up at you know Cerro Longo to fight. That's what that's who you got. That's that's part of the deal. You get us in the corner, and then without that, what the fuck are you even doing there? I mean, I don't even know. So, um, Cody, I'm can just you put that, that into was, a promo for me, please, a Cerro Longo promo because we did talk a lot about that on the phone, and that really rings yeah. true with me. And Kenny can speak to this, right? Just in terms of in terms of the cornering dynamic and what everybody respects fully brings to the table uh i get it man i get it and uh, mm -hmm. i'm glad he ended his boycott and yeah know, yeah no really, really. The NFL if you want to end yours you know but but on you know on the flip side of that it means i have to travel with him again which is just fucking right. Right. so right. but you know look i really i, I watched the I, look i watched matt grow up right you know at 30 yeah. i'd walk into his hotel room before a fight see comic books on his deck I go what, what are you doing with the comic books like what really? be shoving them in the drawer but no, i, I watched him really grow up <laughs> Now he plays virtual reality while we're yeah. in the room. So he went from comic books to video. I mean, I don't know. Is this the guy's 50 <laughs> years old? Is it me? No, no. 50. 
Uh, I'm just disappointed I never got to cross his wake on this trip and shake his hand, maybe put something in the air. Hey, can we get to Valentina Shevchenko? We get to Shevchenko. Uh, there was a there was a lot in the air you missed out on. <laughs> so Valentina Shevchenko, Kenny, we'll start with you on this. Um, six consecutive UFC flyweight title defenses. I don't know if we should spend a lot of time on the fight or the future or what, um, but not what Lauren Murphy was looking for in terms of this championship opportunity. I thought she would have uh, done more with it. Um, Not necessarily in terms of her having success in the fight, but just maybe taking a few more risks. Um, I love Lauren and Joe Murphy. I'm sure it was hard for them to listen back to uh, some of our criticisms, Um, but there is just a huge gap right now. Even when you talk about an improving Caitlin Chukagian and Jojo Calderwood, who has yet to get a title fought, this gap at Flyweight feels uh, particularly big here on a Monday morning, Ken Flo. You know, I'll, I'll say this. Listen, I, I think that, you know, could Lauren have been uh, more aggressive? Absolutely. Does she have the weapons to be able to do it, though? I don't think so. You know, and this isn't a goal. So what's you know the what goal I mean? to not get finished? I, she's got, well, she's got to do something. I, I, I think that, you know, for her, her not knowing how to approach someone like Valentina Shevchenko was the reason she just didn't have the skills to be able to go out and do it. Even if she yeah. wanted to be aggressive, you know, I, mm. and, and Shevchenko's just so good at measuring range where she, I thought Shevchenko could have been more aggressive. I mean, are you yes. telling me that, you know, she's a big counter striker. You tell me that she wasn't capable of offensively bringing the fight to Lauren Murphy herself. Fair. I know she's a counter striker, but why didn't she just go out there? She's, she had her outgunned. just go out there and take her out. Like, And so I thought, you know, as tough as Lauren Murphy is skill wise, she didn't have what I thought was going to be a big challenge for Shevchenko and Shevchenko was a little bit more conservative out there. It's not really her style to kind of move forward and bring it. Uh, She takes a little while to get warmed up, Um, but um, she's just that much better than everyone out there, man. She, She just is. She doesn't have many challenges that remain for her. Um, she doesn't take much damage, uh, even against people who come from grappling backgrounds, she's out grappling them. I I, I mean, she's, she's an excellent champion. Um, and, uh, it's going to be tough for the UFC to, to find some serious challenges for her. Ray, I have so much to say on this. What were your thoughts on the co-main event? Oh man, look, that girl, is as close to a female James Bond as you're going to get, man. I mean, she is, she's, she's an assassin. That is not an easy task for anybody. And I, you know, I like love Laura Murphy and her husband. We spent some time, you know, you know, at the, the weigh-ins and all that stuff together. But, uh, this is a, that, this is a different beast, man. I'm going to say, like you're saying the gap, I don't see anybody. Caitlin, Caitlin's good, man. She's been in the gym, you know, and this girl seems to just, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. The gap. Right, well, is, let me get to it, a few of my notes. The gap is just too big. But, I mean, first off, to deal with her, if, if you're going to fight her, you shouldn't even be sparring females. That's the first thing. you got to get 135-pound guys, 25-pound guys that right. are good. And right. if you guess that, that, primary sparring partner was a guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, you – you ha- but it's got to be – Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got to be right, man. This is not – that girl's good, man. And, and I don't see anybody beating her for a long time. All right, so a few of my notes. I just want to spit some of these things at you, Kenny. I just have a lot of thoughts on this fight. Um, so 
We said on the post-fight show, you know, George St. Pierre, the New England Patriots, dominant champions like Valentina Shevchenko can be great for sport. And her fan base is huge. Like, I do think she is great for sport. But I don't think this championship fight is necessarily great for sport. You know, like there was a time when Valentina was, you know, dominating Holly Holm. Look what she did against Juliana Pena in a main event. You know, these were close fights on paper, up 10 pounds. Like, I don't even think Shevchenko's learning in her fights anymore. Like, Lauren Murphy didn't have a singular moment in this fight. So I don't think that's necessarily um, good for sport. I, I, I agree. I, I, but, I mean, who's to blame here? I mean, first of all, uh, and, and the UFC is in a tough spot. They have to make a fight. But if you were to say, and, and again, I, I don't want to make this about, uh, you know, criticizing Lauren Murphy because she's she's as tough as they come. But at the same time, like if you're out there and be like, hey, Lauren Murphy has a has a chance to submit Valentina. Can't say that. Hey, yeah. Lauren Murphy's got some serious power. She could knock out Valentina. She has that one shot knockout. That's not going to happen. Right. She's going to overwhelm her with combinations. That's not going to happen. She's going to out-wrestle her. That's not really going to happen. So, again, for me, it was just she didn't have the weapons out there, period. And and you got – Valentina's got to fight someone. Lauren was next in line. They don't yeah. have people. That's just a fact. Uh, Valentina just doesn't have any challengers, man. She's destroyed them all, and she will destroy them all. Like, if you're a whale in Vegas, do you consider $150,000 to win 10000 you know? I mean – Maybe. Retrospectively, <laughs> it certainly looks like free money. So, in terms of Shevchenko moving forward, did I just fucking stutter three oh, times? Just, Christ. Cody, don't cut yeah. that. Can yeah. we not cut that, please? Yeah. I'll lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What recreational drugs have we been doing since we got yeah. off the air? To, He's, off oh today. He's a little off today. He's hiding under so, Valentina Shevchenko fought Juliana Pena in a main event in Kansas City, I believe, and destroyed her, right? Juliana Pena is one of the best women on the roster. She's going to fight Amanda Nunes for the belt. And you can be sure that that fight is closer than this one in terms of the betting line. It may not be a close fight, you know, but Amanda Nunes, like, better show, well, when she, she has to be in shape to make 35, but you can be sure Amanda Nunes better put in close to the training camp of a lifetime or Juliana Pena is going to put up a real fight, you know, like at least Nunes in these fights. Right. This right? Is, and so, yeah. so when you talk about a trilogy between Valentina and Amanda or talk about a flyweight emerging that we're not thinking of, that seems like a shorter conversation than the trilogy one. You need two things for the trilogy, right? You need Amanda Nunes to have a willingness up to nil in the series to give Valentina the fight, knowing how close the second one was. Um, and you also have to have Valentina's desire to not just be a 19-time flyweight champion and move up. And then, of course, it'd be a big enough money fight for the UFC to make it worth probably Amanda's while. You know. Um, so what do you do, Ken Flo? I mean, do you just uh, do you just try to find the next JoJo Calderwood on a one or two fight winning streak, or do you um, what? What do you do, Ken Flo? I, I don't know. That's the thing. I, I do not know. There's just not a whole lot of challengers out there. I, I think, yeah, you kind of you, you put some fights together. You see who can kind of come out of the picture and impress. Um, but as far as skills of, of giving someone a chance, either because they're an unbelievable striker or, or a grappler that's really dangerous. Yeah, I, I can't identify one in that division. I mean, look what the number one contender, Jessica Andrade, just did to fifth rank Cynthia Calvillo. Right. right. And you look at what Valentina did to her. You're right. like, I mean, come on, man. You know, yeah. Yeah. unbelievable. Yep. Um, yeah, that's... Hey, Ray, 
that that that's the tricky part though but you know it goes to show you how good valentina is though that she's in there with uh nunes who's just a freaking killer and that fight is was close and she thinks she won the other one thinks she won you know that's how good valentina is going at, at 35 you know what i mean not in her even her proper weight class uh she's a problem at 25 i, I, I don't, I don't even anybody close I also wonder what the UFC is, and excuse me for interrupting you, uh, internal metrics would say about how big a Shevchenko-Nunes trilogy fight would be. I think it would be big. I don't know if it would be massive, but I think it would be pretty big. Um, Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz, round three TKO for Robbie Lawler. Ray, we'll start with you on uh, on Nick Diaz's return. What'd you make of Nick? What'd you make of Robbie? What'd you make of the fight? Uh yeah, I mean, look, I'll tell you one thing with Robbie. He did come out like the old Robbie that we know. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't the guy. I think he said it too. People were expecting to see, you know, the guy in More the list. Yeah. yeah, definitely. He came out guns blazing. And, you know, Nick Nick responded. But I think he was just like a half step behind. And, uh, you know, he's just a – look, I, I, I still I'm – a, I'm a big Nick Diaz fan. And, uh, you know, he just looked like mentally something was bothering him. But he's just an honest dude. I think when you ask him questions, you get exactly what he's feeling. And I, to me, that's refreshing. And I'm just happy to see that the fans still were behind him. And, you know, he did what he had to do and he got back in there. After six years, not bad against a guy that, you know, very, very talented. So, uh, obviously not the way it went, you know, wanted to go for him. But, uh Hats off to Robbie, man. He really he brought it, and he was consistent, and he never took his foot off that gas pedal. And I think that's what won him the fight. Catflow. Yeah, listen, I I think it was evident that you know Nick had taken six years off from fighting. I I don't know a whole lot of people who would have been able to do that. Uh, period. Um, you know, and, and just kind of connecting the dots a little bit. I know Jake Shields had had mentioned something to the effect that uh, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but he's mentioned some of the fact that, you know, Nick only had six weeks uh, to prepare for this fight. Um, you know, that, of course, is difficult. It seems like that's maybe what Nick was talking about or how I don't know how this fight got put together and why it got put together under these circumstances. Obviously not ideal for someone coming off a six year layoff. So. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's hard to, um, you know, say anything bad about Nick, though, too, because, yeah. you know, the dude has done everything possible, um, you know, throughout his career to put his heart and soul out there in the octagon and fight his ass off. Um, and I think this was one of those situations where, um, you know, it was a little bit too much too quickly for him. Yeah. You know, Robbie Lawler yep. has stayed active during those six years and right. Robbie Lawler is no joke. Uh, Nick's pace was really impressive. I don't think the speed was there that we're used to seeing or perhaps right. the same accuracy, but the pace that he was putting on and the fact that he was landing shots on Robbie and actually hurting him, um, was really impressive. Those body shots were beautiful. He was throwing more kicks in this fight. He was doing a lot um, to go out there and get the win. It just wasn't enough against Robbie. It just seemed like Nick kind of ran out of gas and ran out of answers uh, to that forward pressure from Robbie Lawler. Yeah, yeah, no, you put it well. Not much I can add. You know, he didn't have that look in his eye just in terms of the scowl. You know, I obviously think he was less happy to be there than in previous fights. Not that he ever loves fight night per se. Um, but I think he knew he was up against it in terms of uh, the cardiovascular stuff. Right. He knew that if nothing else, Robbie Lawler's strength and conditioning, he has left no stone unturned every single training camp of late. But in all these five rounders, Kennedy, your point, right, seven fights 
now eight, you know, since Diaz had last competed. So, um, and obviously it's a favorable matchup. Go ahead, Ray. But you got to give it up to, I, I I still think, let's forget the fighting. I just, it looks like he's just evolved into just a, a really nicer person. Even, you know, when he says he, you know, he's working with the kids and he wants to represent something different. I mean, that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal, man. I mean, he, you know, he's a wild guy and I, I really think this kid has really, really grown. I, I like the way he handled it after the press conference. You know, I had that yeah, coming yeah. to me like, he he just seems like I, I always loved him, but he's more likable now to me than ever. Like I just yeah. think he he's going to try to do the right thing in his life. You know what I mean? I I, I really think that with the, the he loves the teaching, and I think he's going to give back a lot on that end. And uh, we'll see where it takes him. But uh, you know he 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 was very vocal that he didn't even want to do this fight and the rematch. And yeah. I think it played into part of the whole psyche of the fight to me. Kenny, did you have something to add in there? Well, I was going to come off of your point about the conditioning because that that's something that the Diaz brothers have relied on, right? I mean, that right, that's right. that's kind of at the heart of what they do. They need that conditioning. They need to be able to do those try that triathlon preparation in yeah. order to have and keep that high pace volume. So, yeah, it, it, this was a tough one. I I do agree with Ray also that Nick is kind of at a different place uh, in his yeah. life, in his mind, and you know where he goes from here. I don't know. I hope he's finding more peace it seems like he's leaning uh you know towards that um you know and, and nick has talked shit about me and all that stuff but i i wish him the best man i hope he is you know able to you know uh conquer those demons and and uh you know find peace in the martial arts and, and that's that's yeah. the beautiful thing about the martial arts and uh, yeah. he has but given everything possible in every single fight that he's had he's got nothing to prove and i don't yeah. think this this performance here changes uh you know his his legacy at all oh, to- definitely not and kenny you know with the jujitsu when you're giving guys their purple belt or their brown belt how how much it means to these people Changing lives yeah. yeah i mean it's really unbelievable because i see it at match because obviously you know we don't belt anybody with the stand-up but mm-hmm. probably something that should be done because like again it's not about uh, it's just a, really about making people feel good. And if they feel good, they're going to do better in every aspect of their life. And I, I think, you know, Nick spoke about it in the like in the lead up on the countdown with the kids and he held to it. I thought he handled himself like an absolute gentleman after the fight in defeat, which has got to be hard for him. You know, we already beat Robbie uh, and he I thought he just. I, I do. I just there's a realness in him. I don't know if I'm the only guy seeing it, but man, oh, I just hundred percent. You know, I get you. I get bullshitted by so many fucking people on a weekly yeah. basis. That yeah, when you get a guy like him, man. I'm I'm fucking yeah. happy. Oh, realist to the real, and we yeah. should also credit Robbie Lawler, um, yeah. not just for the performance, but he's evolving too. Right in our final meeting, he said what he loves about this stage of his career uh, is giving that wisdom back to his teammates at Sanford MMA. And this was a Robbie Lawler that didn't always embrace, obviously that aspect of the sport and didn't have the experience nor wisdom to offer maybe at times, but uh, it's a big win, obviously for Robbie Lawler sets him up for another opportunity. I do hope we see Nick Diaz in, in six months or so, Kenny, because I do believe he wants to fight and there obviously fights out there. Um, Maybe, you pivot off of like a, a Masvidal dream at this point and go to maybe a Matt Brown or something. But I think there are a lot of different options for, uh, for Nick Diaz who was dealing with a lot, but, uh, Man, you know, like when I was first getting into MMA, like 05, 06, like hardcore, um, I just, 
this was the guy, right? Like this, Nick Diaz was the guy that I was like telling my friends to watch. Like, if you don't like right. the sport, just look at this motherfucker, you know? This this was the fight to make. You know, they matched him up beautifully against another legend in Robbie Lawler. I, I thought it was the right call here. Um, to me, it just, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't pan out for him. Um, and I think we got to give a lot of credit to Robbie Lawler for for dealing with that amount of volume and, and continuing to come forward. And man, he fought um, a great fight. He fought a great fight, man. Great and and fight. Robbie, it looked like Robbie really wanted to be out there. He wanted oh, to yeah. get that one back against Nick Diaz. And to see these two legends go out there and, and perform like they did, I thought was, was an awesome one for the hardcore fans who've been watching this sport for a long time. Um, it, it, it was great to see and a great win for uh, the legend robbie lawler yeah and two guys that really do keep it real on different levels but they keep it robbie yeah you just listen to him talk give 170 185 i'm ready i trained it doesn't matter i mean he's just got another another refreshing look at anything he's not talking shit about nobody you know they try and draw him in with questions to make he just that's not me i'm not that i don't i don't you know i mean he just i think he's I, i like you said john look i met him Back when we did the show in 2007, maybe, or whatever it was, right, he was right. a great guy. Even when he was with, like, Hughes and, you know, yeah. was a, there was the conference, you know, the, the confrontations with Matt and all that. Robbie was always a great guy, right from day yep. one, first yep. day I met him. And he's become a, uh, just a better guy. And, that, you know, for me, because I've been around so long, that, I love watching that. I love watching guys evolve and make a contribution. And, like he says, you know, with his teammates and stuff. But, again, listen to him talk. He keeps it simple. And you're not going to – he's not going to engage in any negativity. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, I both guys, great, great great yeah. on different reasons. So uh, Kenny probably doesn't remember this, but uh, Kenny was talking to Nick Diaz after a UFC pay-per-view. I was like, I got to fucking walk over. This is my chance to shake Nick's hand. Yeah. So that was when I met Nick Diaz for the first time as I interrupted those two uh, jiu-jitsu black belts, whatever they were I talking I remember about. it well. Uh, <laughs> all right, a few other things on UFC at 266 before we spin it forward to UFC Fight Night Santos versus Walker. By the way, you know how sometimes they'll say, oh, that win is going to age well. Like in five years, that MMA win is going to look even better because the guy he beat, this tattoo is aging pretty well, right? 209. Like, Ken, if you had to get an area code tattooed on your body, right, representing any fighter in the UFC, you'd probably fucking go 209. So. <laughs> in, hindsight, in hindsight, John, you got a good point there. Misunderstood thing in my life. How many years has that been? I got it in March of 2016, but it's so misunderstood for people who were in our ESPN MMA live chat. They get it right. But it's like, I wanted the fucking tattoo. Okay. You know, I didn't necessarily think he was going to win the fight, but. And how crazy was that stat? 209 months since they last. When when are you getting a 516 to honor me on your. uh, (laughs) I mean, is that that on your is that a joke? I mean, <laughs> like, there's not enough money. You get, a, get me a briefcase of $100,000, and I will not get a New York area code tattooed on my body. How about you can't a, change your blood, though, John? How, yeah, how about a oh, C? Long Island. Oh, my a, Long Island blood. Get the fuck out of here. How about a Seaford zip code? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Seaford zip code. Yeah, right. If you don't know, if you're late to the podcast, my dad was born in Seaford, New York. So these guys like to joke that I have New York blood. Seaford, get Long the Island. fuck out of here. All right. Get a briefcase of half a million here. dollars and I won't get anything New York related. I mean, 
like a lot of my stances have softened. Like I'll be happy when the Toronto Maple Leafs win a right. Stanley Cup, you know. But Ken Flo had like random clothing that would say New York, and I used to give him <laughs> shit. Like I'm not wearing nothing New York, you know. The only thing I have is actually the Brooklyn Cyclones. It's a visor, and I'm gonna throw it away after the show. <laughs> I don't believe I think Very so. anti New York. So Sarah's got to hold you down. I got to brand you with a five one six. Hey, like right, here, right here, right here. Put a five one six right on his cheek. Yeah, right. I do like <laughs> facial and neck tattoos. Oh. Oh, all right. So um, not enough time to spend on Curtis Blades' unanimous decision win over Virgarzinho Rosenstrike. Andraj, we briefly mentioned. Um, I want to talk about Dan Hooker in the five remaining minutes that we have. Maybe we'll get to Chris Dawkins. Um, shout out to the tarantula, Jalen Turner and Matthew Semmelsberger yeah. as well. But Ken Flo, let me start with you on this. OK, we can say what you want about the Hooker performance. There just aren't a lot of guys at 155 pounds with a number eight next to their name. Forget about the circumstances for both guys going into this fight, the visa issues and all that. There sure. just aren't a lot of guys, number eight in the world, giving number 27 or number 22 in the world this type of opportunity. And sometimes it makes it hard to move the division forward, you know. Um, and I just give Dan Hooker a lot of credit for for not only winning this fight rather dominantly, but for giving a guy an opportunity to beat him. I think that's very true, and I think it's a testament to the kind of confidence uh, that Daniel Hooker has in his skills. Um, and, man, I mean, he looked fantastic. Uh, he really did. On, on Saturday night, I mean, he was just winning every aspect of that fight pretty much and um, showed that he was a true mixed martial artist. Um, his, his reach and range uh, when he's comfortable, when he's moving, when he's fainting is a problem for anyone in that division. Uh, and I was happy for him. Showed a lot of class, of course, giving uh, respect to uh, Nazrat's family. So yes. that was cool to see as well. Yeah, look, I, I, it's hard to, you know, even talk about that fight without I, – I, you got to speak a lot about what they went through to get there. I know, you you know, you said excluding that, but I'm blown away by that. Making that I know, trip I know. a couple of times, I can't even I, – dude, I, I'm more blown away by that than his performance. I, I, I swear to yeah. God, I yeah. really am. I think that was – the when you really want to fight and you're a fighter, this is shit you do because mm -hmm. it's not even stressful for you, obviously. Right, you just want to get in there and fight, but yeah, yeah. did to get there, both of them, unbelievable. And look for for Hooker coming off a loss, right? He, he had a loss with it was his last fight with Dude, the champ two in a row. Poor It's Chandler. not a bad idea to give him a guy back there to get get him back on track. So as much as he gave a guy an opportunity, for me, because right. you don't get those opportunities in the UFC, you know what I mean? Right. They're gonna right. rematch you with somebody even tougher than the guy that right. beat you. But so, it's not as though he. You're absolutely right. I agree. But he. It's not as Yeah. But it's not as though he was the minus four hundred favorite, though, right? Yeah. It was a fairly close fight on paper. Yeah. You know, you're fighting a guy trained by Faraz Sahabi and alongside right. George St. Pierre, right? So it's not as though he's some schmuck, you know. Right. I mean, so, as a coach, I think that's a great fight to get him back. Exactly right. what he did, and he came through in flying colors. He controlled the distance. He used his range, and now he's back on track. You know, and he can move forward, but. I think if you get those opportunities to fight a guy way behind you at that given point in time in yeah. your career after what happened, I think that's, yeah. that was a, that that's genius. To and do for Hackerast after losing his mother, who was his rock and then yeah. getting to town even later than Dan I mean, Hooker, Kenny, I, you know, yeah, no, this is crazy. Really, stuff, man. really hard yeah. um, to ask him to go and then beat the number eight guy in the world. Um, Ray, I got to let you fly. Hey, thanks yeah. so much for 50 minutes of your time. Wow. Congratulations. 
went like, oh, thank you very much. Back in the wind column, John. I love you awesome. so much. I'm sorry if I offended you in any way, shape, or form. Let's talk about my losses before we go. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> that is a, come on. This is, I know it's all done. Out of, I know it's all done out of love. Thank <laughs> all love. God. Save me. I couldn't have come on this show with another W in my right. long list of W's. I couldn't have huh, done it. Right, That's, right. Yeah. yeah. You weren't going to come on if you lost the fight. Yeah. That's um, right. No, Rob, if you're listening, man. The heart of a warrior. I just, I can't, I can't believe what I, I saw. But yeah. he does do the conditioning. Yeah. He puts the time in, and and for all the young guys out there too, you get hurt. You got to keep moving. You yeah. have to keep moving. That's why yeah. Peter. I, I'm going to say I think Peterson did a great job all the way around because I think yeah. if he would have stopped that fight, yeah. you know, in the first round at the end or even at the, they would have went berserk on him. Like, oh, you gave that guy a chance, but you didn't give him a right. chance. So, right. Of course. Uh, you know, and the, just to He was consistent. Too. He was consistent yeah. throughout that uh, fight. I thought it was, He yeah. was consistent throughout the yeah. fight. And that, yeah. that's that's really, I think, what you want. But, you know, it's funny. I had one other quick story. Morab, at the, at the end of that second round, said he, he goes, I really did not want to hit him anymore. He did feel bad. And he said as soon as he let up, that's when Moraes got up and went for the takedown. He goes... Fuck this! I gotta, I gotta yeah, finish. Yeah. I gotta, right. I can't, I can't, I can't take the chance. The guy came back, yeah. you know. He got up, but he did say for a while he goes, it just, it didn't seem right, and you know. And he, Marab, you could tell by talking, you're not meeting a nicer guy. He's just that nice of a guy. Can't say enough. I've been talking about him, but I still can't say enough great things yeah. about him. So yeah. great night. Glad the team's back on track, and um, I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, have have a great day and a better evening. Great stuff. A great day and a better evening. You like that? You like yeah. that positivity? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great day, better evening. My longtime best friend, Brian Montgomery. You know, fucking crazy, crazy dude. Hilarious. But he always say, Great to have a great day and better evening. He's also the inspiration for Yo Later, how we close the show every day. Or every Brian. week, I should say. Yo fucking later. All right, Ray, get on out of here. Right. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, Ray. Congrats, man. Ray Longo Thank Minute every Thank week. You here on the Anik and Florian podcast. I don't know who's teaching striking defense there for Team Sarah Longo, but no, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Marlon's amazing. Kenny, before we move along um, to the main event challenge, I don't know if you saw Christophe win or Shamil Abdurakimov. I don't need to talk about the fight. I just wanted to get this point out there. You can respond or you don't have to. Christophe is 4-0 in the UFC as a heavyweight. Weighing at 231 pounds. I don't think he can make light heavyweight, but he's getting smaller now because after 10 years as a member of the Philadelphia Police Department, he is now taking a leave of absence. And he didn't always have the resources to go all in on this career. Now, obviously, he does. And, you know, he said this week, not to us directly during his media, that he wants to go down as the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. And when I said on the air, Daniel Cormier kind of laughed. Not that he was laughing about Dacus's inability to do that. But I would submit to you, like, why fucking not, right? And in an era in which we are applauding people for self-belief, right? Now he's actually able to be a full-time fighter, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly when you're in the 25th district in Philadelphia fighting crime, you know, you're not as freaked out by Shamil and fucking Dora Himov, right? So there's a lot of upside there too. I'm just saying, like, why can't this guy be the UFC heavyweight champion? Absolutely. And and listen, I think after experiencing, uh, you know, a few fights in the UFC, you start to kind of see your potential go, wait a sec, I'm doing well here and I could put more resources into this. I can invest more time into my training. And you start to see that as a possibility. 
But what are you supposed to do? See yourself as the second best? You know, you, you got to look at yourself as the best or trying to be the best. Um, so it, it's great to see every time we see uh, we see Dawkins, uh, we see a leaner, meaner version of him. Yeah, and right, he is right. getting better. He's taking it more seriously. You can see the results. Yeah. And uh, and Shamil is not an easy guy to finish, man. I mean, how many guys yeah. have, have been able to get a, a finish like that on him? Right. So. Um, I, I thought it was an awesome performance for him, man. I, and I'm excited that he's able to, you know, um, you know, be a mixed martial artist full time now. And I'm telling you, like that dude can go 25 minutes, man. That's the thing. It's like you don't need a six pack to go 25 minutes, you know, right. like I'm no I'm no uh, physiologist or what, whatever, you know, in terms of the body. I'm sure Kempf will tell you a lot about, you know, you, you build a lot of your body fat, you know, in your formative years and in your 20s and 30s. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like for me. Like it gonna be hard for me to get a fucking twelve pack, you know? I got a fucking twelve hundred cow, you know, because uh, you know, I'm paying for some of my uh bad dieting earlier in my life. Now I eat super fucking clean because I'm training for an amateur bantamweight fight. <laughs> I got, go. I'm, I'm, I got as low as fucking now all these fight challenges. I got low as one forty four in Vegas. You motherfucker, every I'll make thirty five fucking next month. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> we'll get down to twenty five like Cody Garbrandt. All right. Great stuff on UFC 266. Uh, UFC is live this weekend. Walt Wall on ESPN Plus. It is UFC Fight Night. Santos versus Walker. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, here we go with some predictions. We welcome on today Josh Penland on Twitter. You can find him at Josh P underscore UFC picks. And when I see you wearing the one more sleep t-shirt that you presumably bought in support of me on millions.co, it's like, send me your Venmo. I need to pay you back. You know, it's like, I feel bad, Kempo. Guys coming on here making picks, paying for my shirt. I'm not worthy. Good to see you, Josh. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. And you guys have been providing me entertainment for, it's been like six years now. I've always been listening, so we'll call it even with that. <laughs> awesome. So how long have you been picking fights? Um, I've been tracking my bets for about uh, coming up on four years now, um, and I've been doing it for about seven years total. Good for so, you. So, yeah. You can tell. See, leading with the fact that he's tracking his bets, you're the fucking man, Josh. You know, a lot of people out there are like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. track your fucking bets, right? That's all you need to do. Right. And then people will know exactly how good or bad you are. All right. Let us get into it. I know Josh knows his stuff and it's always interesting to have a new guy on to make picks against Ken Flo. Um, we're going to go five fights on the main card. Go as long or short as you want. Aspen Ladd minus 210. Macy Shasson plus 175. I'm really excited to see Aspen Ladd back. Little backdrop for you. She knocked out Yana Kunitskaya that was late 2019. Was going to face Juliana Pena. March 2020, that got scrapped. She was training for Sarah McMahon. June 2020, tore both her ACL and MCL. Ends a two-year layoff. Two months later than expected, though, against Macy Chasson. This was going to go down in July, some COVID-19 issues. Big fight for the division, Josh. Lad, about a two-to-one favorite. Who do you have? Um, yeah, and as, as you mentioned, John, that lad's been out for about two years after a major surgery, so that does kind of pose a question. But that said, I still think this is a pretty good stylistic matchup for her. Her best weapon is typically her wrestling. She's uh, landing nearly 2.5 takedowns per fight. Um, and then whenever she gets you on the mat, her top control is suffocating. And Macy's kind of shown to struggle there from time to time. Um, so that said, give me uh, Aspen Lad to get her ground game going and get a big win after the long layoff. 
Ken Flo on the other side, Macy Shasson, two wins in a row. Good camp, seven and one overall. She's never been finished. How do you handicap this one, Kit? Yeah, listen, I, I actually like the underdog here. I like Chasson. I, I think that um, I like her length. I like her ability to try to keep Aspen on the outside. I think if she does get to the clinch, uh, she has to make sure that either she gets that tie clinch where she's really strong, uh, get those long knees up into the body, or get those underhooks, stop the takedown. That's going to be the key. If Aspen, uh, like Josh said, can, can take her down, I think Macy might struggle there a little bit. She is um, you know, pretty good on the ground too, though. So um, it will be interesting ground battle if it does happen. Uh, but Aspen does have good control. She does have some decent ground or pound. I just see Macy as being a little bit sharper on the feet. Uh, I think she's the better athlete. I like her length and reach here. So I'm going with the underdog. Great fight. Great analysis on both sides. All right. Next up at middleweight, Chris Jotko, minus 165, Misha Sirkunov, plus 145. All right. So my research suggests this is not only the UFC middleweight debut, but also the first pro or amateur fight at 85 for Misha Serkunov, um, who, by the way, Kenny, was at Susie Freetown's memorial service on Friday night. His wife was pretty close with Susie, so it was good mm. to see Misha there. Um, and he looked like he was beginning to get down to 186 pounds. Got knocked out by Ryan Spann earlier in 2021 after he missed all of 2020. Uh, Jotko, middleweight roster staple. Josh, who do you have here? Um, yeah, I had to give that a double take whenever I seen Serkinov was making the cut down to 185. And initially, I didn't think, you know, it was a great idea because his chin has been a little suspect. But I do think he picked a good opponent in Jocko, who of his nine UFC wins, eight of them have come by decision. So he's not putting a lot of guys out. I think Misha might have uh, a grappling edge. And I think he's also a little busier on the feet. So I'm going to side with the dog and Serkinov here. This is an interesting matchup, Kenny. Jocko's an interesting guy. Fun striker to watch when he's on. Um, you know, was 14-0 when he made his UFC debut. Kenny, you called a lot of his early fights. Um, he got to 19-1 and and was in the rankings when he started 6-1 and in the UFC. Then lost three in a row, kind of left for dead. Rallied to reel off three in a row before running into Sean Strickland. So maybe a ceiling as to the overall trajectory for Jocko. But what do you think about this matchup here this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, he cooled his engines a little bit. Um, and yes. I think we saw him a, a, a little bit, um, you know, maybe stifled by the, the, the lack of grappling uh, skills a, a little bit. Um, and, and that's where Misha is going to shine here. The problem is Misha is an awesome grappler. Um, and I think he's talented. He's physically impressive. Uh, I'm curious to see how he makes 185 pounds. This dude's big. I mean, he was... Yeah. A decent size, 205 pounder. So, anyways, that's going to be a struggle. But it's his transition into that clinch where every single time, whether he wins or loses, it's almost like, oh, you're you're about right. to see a car <laughs> right, crash. Right, right. You're like, please just get there safely. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I, I, I against Jotko, I, I see Jotko catching him um, and, and maybe hurting him. And, and again, anytime you're cutting down in weight, I saw it when I experienced it going down to 145 pounds. Um, you know, you're going to be dehydrated. Your brain's not going to be able to take the same kind of impact. And that's what worries me here for Misha. He's a tremendous grappler. It's just as he gets into that clinch, that's what concerns me. I like Jocko here. Um, I, I see him getting it done, and this would be a big win for him. And Pahumpa figures to be a big resource in the corner, I believe, of Chris Jocko. I will tell you, our guy Pahumpa um, – Got very sick and went to Brazil and uh, and had surgery um, and is healthy and preserved, but he has not been uh, in South Florida for the bulk of wow. Chaco's training camp. But if memory serves, those two do work together. And if not, I'm a complete fucking asshole. All right. <laughs> 
at welterweight, Nico Price minus 140, Alex Cowboy Oliveira plus 120. Last win for Nico Price, Josh, came against James Vick 2019. On the other side, Oliveira was submitted by Randy Brown back in April. He's lost two in a row as he readies for this 21st UFC appearance. Close fight on paper here at 170 pounds. Josh, which way are you going? Um, first of all, anytime Nico Price is on the card, you know um, he's going to deliver the goods each and every time out. Um, and like you mentioned, both guys do need a win here after losing a couple bouts. I just feel like based on uh, their recent fights that Price seems to be the ascending fighter. And um, he also possesses a unique ability to make guys brawl with him. And I think at this stage in Oliveira's career, who can get lured into brawls, um, they're probably going to get into some exchanges. And I think Price has the better durability, the better cardio, and I'm going to take Nico to win this fight. Kenny, Nico Price always puts on a show. There's no doubt about it. He still has championship aspirations, though. He's frustrated when he looks at all the red on his Wikipedia page, but the promotion understands what he brings to the table. This is the first fight on a new four-fight deal, I believe. So even though didn't win his last fight, you know, not every day you lose a fight and you're being rewarded with a new deal. He's favored to win this one. How do you see him doing? Well, the UFC loves fighters, and Nico is absolutely that. And uh, Alex Oliveira is as well. I mean, both these guys bring crazy into the octagon, and I think we're going to see that in this fight. Um, I I just think that Nico, um, he's still fighting to move up the rankings and uh, beat some ass, you know, whereas Alex Oliveira, I feel like, you know, and again, I don't know him, but just just from what I see from the outside looking in, it seems like he he's kind of fighting for a paycheck a little bit. This is more of a job for him. Um, Nico is, is trying to, you know, move up the ranking. He's trying to do something with it. He, he's not just satisfied by just competing in the UFC. He wants to make a run. And um, I, I like to see that. I, I think Nico's a little bit more dangerous. I think he's a little bigger, a little bit more powerful. Uh, and I agree with Josh here. I'm going with Price. And again, it's just uh, it's a good read by you, man. It's like Nico is so married to the game. I mean, he does have a wife and five kids, but dude, he's obsessed with this and being great. I, I just can't emphasize that enough. I don't know Alex Cowboy. That matters. Bit. Well, Absolutely obviously matters. All right. Co-main event at middleweight. I don't know how Kyle Dawkins couldn't be inspired by what his brother did over the weekend on his 32nd birthday. So Kevin Holland minus 150 here in the co-main event against Kyle Dawkins, who comes back plus 130. Uh, we'll need the round in the method of victory here, Josh. So Kevin Holland, 0-2 this year. Both of those 25-minute main event losses to Derek Brunson and Marvin Vittori. And on the other side, Doc is kind of a hard luck 1-2 and in the UFC. He's fought a very difficult schedule. He's been competitive coming off a loss to Phil Hawes earlier this year. What do you think of the co-main event, Josh? Who wins it and how do they get it done? Um, I think that we have a bit of a grappler versus striker on our hands for the co-main on the feet. Holland's definitely going to have a speed advantage. He's got a five-inch reach advantage that he also uses well, and I think he's the cleaner striker. Um, however, there's no secret that Holland struggles with the takedown defense, and then in my opinion, his real problem is that after he's taken down and those shoulders hit the mat, you know, that's it. Um, there's a process to returning to your feet, and he just doesn't do it. And so until proven otherwise against a guy who will grapple, I'm going to have a hard time back in Holland. Um, Dawkins is averaging six takedown attempts per fight. He's nearly hitting two takedowns per fight with uh, seven minutes of control time per over his four UFC bouts. Um, so I expect Holland to have some early success in the striking realm. Dawkins is going to push this one to the fence. He's going to get the takedown. I think Holland will have more of a sense of urgency. Uh, with his last two fights being controlled on the mat. And I think it's going to cost him, and Dawkins is going to sub him in round two. Look at that. 
Nicely done there on the way out. I kind of feel like these Dawkus boys need a nickname. I love when fighters don't have a nickname, right? But Chris Dawkus is three syllables. Kyle Dawkus is three syllables. Not a ton to work with for Bruce Buffer and guys like me. You know, imagine if you put like a Philadelphia's finest in front of it or some some play on words with Philly in the middle, you know? It's not like he knocks a guy out. We could be like Christopher fucking Dawkus. I might go Christopher maybe. <laughs> Man, I am on one today. Kenny, who wins the Coleman event? Uh, listen, I thought it was a great breakdown by Josh. I, I, I agree. Listen, I, I think Kyle Dawkins, um, you know, has the ability to win this fight. He's really good at, you know, dragging guys into these dog fights and, um, you know, just getting scrappy out there. I think that Kyle um, is a decent striker as well. Uh, Kevin might be a little bit uh, sharper, a little bit faster, perhaps. But Dawkins has a lot of tools as well. I think he's, uh, you know, pretty big for the division. And I think, uh, you know, he has a little bit more ways uh, to win as well. He can take it to the ground. He can win by submission or TKO. Uh, and for that reason, I I'm back in Kyle Dawkins as well. And how does he get it done? Let's go second round TKO. All right. There you go. Main event, Tiago Santos, minus 170. Johnny Walker Blue, plus 150. Little background for you. Tiago Santos has lost three in a row, last of which came against Alexander Rakic, UFC 259 in March. He's now two full fights back since the knee injuries, which is good. Just announced that he's having his first baby girl, by the way, with Yana Kunitskaya. Johnny Walker on the other side coming off a win. It was a while ago, a knockout of Ryan Spann last September. Then he was in line to face Jimmy Crute. In March at UFC 260, pulled out with a chest injury. First UFC main event, Josh, for Johnny Walker. Fifth headlining spot for Tiago Santos, who, of course, fought John Jones for the UFC light heavyweight title. Santos Walker with rounded method of victory. Josh Penland, who do you have? Walker is um, extremely dangerous early on in fights. He brings the heat from the opening bell. Um, since 2017, Walker has finished nine of his 10 wins, and eight of those nine came in the opening round. Um, just a major knock on Johnny is he can't sustain that early form deep into a three-round fight, nonetheless a five-round fight like this weekend. Um, I think he's going to have about seven minutes to win this fight, and then the momentum's going to swing. Um there was a time when Santos was a madman in the octagon, but I think recently he's shown more patience, defensive responsibility, and I think yeah. that's going to be a real key in this bout. Um, I think he's the more skillful and technical fighter. He has the better cardio. He has the five-round experience. As long as he can keep his back off that cage early on, stay away from those elbows, those knees, I think that Santos is going to win this fight, and I think he's going to finish Johnny Walker by TKO in round three. Look at us. Josh Penland ready to go like a mother today. Kempfla, what do you think about this main event? I mean, experience should count for something. Johnny Walker's got a lot of it, but not in the UFC. I mean, Santos, you know, has been here forever, has been in so many big spots. What do you make of the matchup and the fight that is uh, in front of us this weekend? This should be a fun matchup. I, I do not see this one going the distance. Both guys have serious firepower. Um, Johnny Walker has been been one of those guys that we haven't quite see, seen kind of develop or, or fulfill his potential. Um, and a lot of that is because uh, of kind of him ignoring, it seems, uh, his grappling uh, game. So, um, I, I think that's where, um, you know, he's going to be susceptible to most guys. I don't think that's necessarily the case here against Tiago Santos, of course, another uh, very dangerous striker. But I agree with Josh that Tiago uh, is a little bit cleaner with his technique, a little bit more consistent now, um, but still dangerous uh, in round one himself. And I think if they trade shots, 
Um, I, I think Santos will find a way. I think Johnny Walker is going to bring the fight to him. He's going to get overly aggressive. I think Santos wins this by knockout in round one. Easy night for the broadcasters then. Yeah. All right. If you want more from Josh Penland at Josh P underscore UFC picks. Great job today, my man. Thank you for hopping on and uh, we will not lose your number. Appreciate it guys. And uh, best of luck to everybody out there on their actions weekend. Thank you, my man. Josh Penland with us for the main event challenge this week. All right. If you want merchandise, Anik Florian podcast.com. What's the code Anik? I think a N I K might get you like 15% off Cody. Sorry. Um, if you want the one more sleep gear, that's at millions.co. Don't forget flow tube. Why aren't you calling it flow tube? <laughs> I, I, sh- I should, just, uh, I should. Oh, uh, it's Michael Bisping's YouTube page. It's Kenny Florian's YouTube page. It's fucking flow tube. <laughs> and it gets a plug every week here. I like um, it. When's your next PFL broadcast? Let's see. Uh, October 27th. We have the championships kid. All right. Yeah. It's probably nice having a little off season. UFC doesn't know anything. You got about a little break. Season. Yeah. <laughs> um, no robot fighting for a while. Battle. No robot all fighting all for a while. That's, That's maybe a voiceover pickups, but other than that, exactly. we're good. Um, exactly. All right, good stuff. And I got the weekend off. I'm excited to. Uh, I'm really Enjoy, excited to watch Lad back. You know, I really am yeah. excited to watch her against Macy Shasson, Um to see uh, how that will go and uh if one of them can potentially emerge as a 35 pound challenger all right before we get on out of here ken flow just curious if you had any thoughts on john jones other than the fact that it is overwhelmingly disappointing you know i spent yeah. 45 minutes with the guy backstage at the ufc hall of fame i mean and he's so engaging one-on-one right looking you in the eye his cell phone's nowhere to be found he's asking about your kids he's asking me about the job like he really gives a shit all his teammates were there his family was there they all seemed united they were so happy for john he fucking crushed the speech um and then he probably crushed a bunch of red bull and vodka you know i mean (laughs) and but no i obviously it's uh it's disappointing and um oh you know i think it's asking a lot of his handlers and his friends to you know help him in these situations and um you know obviously it didn't take him long to be in vegas for disaster to strike and uh now we just await the next update i guess yeah, I mean, it, this is a, t- a tough one. You know, John is just so damn talented, man. One, one of the most impressive competitors that I've ever seen uh, inside the octagon. Uh, and, you know, he has brought a lot of chaos to into his life um, outside of it. And, and it's been unfortunate. I, I, I don't have the details. I don't know exactly what the hell is going on and what the circumstances are. Yeah. I, I don't think it would be fair for me. Uh, at this point to uh, make any assumptions here, but you know, John has found a way to uh, get himself in trouble. I I hope he's able to get himself out of it in some way, shape or form and, and and refocus here. But uh, it's been a story that we've heard uh, again and again. And um, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough because he does show some qualities uh, of really being a, a nice guy and, and he's extremely talented at what he does best. And that's fighting the octagon. And um, it, it's just been a lot of issues outside of it. Promo code, by the way, anaclorinepodcast.com is AF10. I stand corrected. It's also an interesting backdrop for me when people will say, oh, why are you defending this guy? And then there are other people who will say, thank you for defending this guy, you know, but I just hope people know, like there are, a lot of misconceptions about people and yeah, like for me, like, do you think it wins me any favors with my primary broadcast partner, Daniel Cormier, when I am defending John Jones, you know, but I'm judging people on my personal experience, you know, Floyd Mayweather treated me like gold, you know? And so, 
I mean, there are a lot of athletes that won't give me the time of day, right? And this one happens too. And when Susie Freeton, my beloved late friend, was in trouble, you know, who was the first guy to drop 10 large for her? You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I just... I just hope he gets the help that he needs, um, you know, because this is a guy who's raised 15 championship banners at Jackson Wink MMA Academy and one of the best MMA athletes of all time. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the details. Doesn't look like he's looking at long jail time, but um, I hope for the sake of his family and his daughters and his kids that uh, that he can write the ship because that's who I think about the most. You know, when I said a few months ago and was quoted sensational, however sensationally as saying that John had bottomed out, you know, it's just, it's hard for the kids, you know, as they get older and they have cell phone, you know, it's just hard. Yeah, um, absolutely, so. man. All right. Appreciate everybody indulging us today. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. We are back next Monday. We'll see who emerged in the main event between Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker. And then Mackenzie Dern has her first main event, the UFC, coming up on October 9th. We'll get into all of that noise. Uh, thank you to our guests, Ray Longo and Josh Penlin. Our executive producer is Cody Merrill, the lifeblood of this very program. Thank you, Cody. We'll talk to you all next Monday uh, for Kemp Flum, John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching. Tell your friends if you want the, uh, you know, if you're upset that we only have fucking 22 subscribers, tell your friends. Yo, later.